Welcome to How I Raised It, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who've raised capital. We uncover the tips, tricks, and techniques they use to get investors to write a check. Strap in and turn it up. Hi, welcome to another episode of How I Raised It, produced by Foundersuite.com. Today I have Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital coming to us from a locked down LA. How's your day going? <laughs> it's day is a good day. Yeah. Good. It's Friday as we record this, although the days kind of blend into another. <laughs> I they find more and do. more. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, well, let's get into it. What is backstage? I know there's a, mul- a couple pieces to it. So why don't you yeah. give broad strokes? Well, yeah. well, backstage capital is the venture fund that I founded in 2015 after several years of attempting to raise a venture fund while uh, broke, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have <clears throat> several small, small funds, each about a million to $2 million a piece uh, that, that combined are a little over a little close to 10 million. And then we've invested in 130 companies led wow. by underrepresented founders through that. So we do that by making checks sizes, 25 K to hundred K in most cases following on when we can with other partners, but our initial checks are coming from those small funds. Mm-hmm. And then we had an accelerator that we opened uh, in 2019 that invested hundred K into 24 companies. Aside from that, we have backstage studio, which is essentially the operations arm of what we do. And so you can imagine on the management 2% management fee, which is standard of a venture fund raising a few million dollars is not enough to sustain you for an entire year, uh, let alone several years. So we started Backstage Studio, where we partner with corporations and other funds who pay us to have uh, our expertise when it comes to um, uh, reaching underrepresented founders in the ecosystem. Uh Interesting. Okay. Well, let's touch on each of these sort of individually a bit. Talk about... Give us a story. I know there's quite a story to it, but give us kind of the uh, executive summary story of raising that fund. Uh, the, yeah. Maybe the the backstory, what you were doing before, and kind of your motivation and and some of the tales. For sure. I mean, the, yeah. I'm 39 now. Uh, I wrote this book called "It's About Damn Time" to tell this whole story because it is kind of it's kind of a, a windy story, crazy story. But the this the big picture, uh, 20,000 foot, as they say, uh, or 50,000 foot, is I. Grew up in Texas. I had many lives. I worked in music production for live for live tours. I've worked. I've had my own publishing company, publishing a, a music magazine. I've been broke most of my life, et cetera, et cetera. And around 2011 ish, I started noticing uh, this thing called Silicon. This place called Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And once I once I found it, I thought, wow, this is an amazing place where people like me, who I have always felt out like an outsider, but people like me would fit in there because starting all these companies and have these bright ideas and resources are strapped, all of that. And the more research I did in order to kind of make my way into Silicon Valley to start a company, the more I saw, wow, this is kind of unbalanced. And then I, and then I learned this statistic that is still almost true today, which is unfortunate that more than 90% of all venture capital, which is the funding that goes into backing these startups comes, uh, goes to straight white men. And I thought, that's wacky because they only make up maybe a third of the country of that. And it didn't make sense to me. So I'm a gay black woman. I said, what can I do? Um, 
and I set out on this mission to uh, not just a philanthropic mission, you know, mm-hmm. it was a capitalistic mission of let's get more funding into underrepresented founders because they have done so much with so little. And if I'm, you know, if I'm reading this correctly, venture capital is about putting bets behind the underdog. Let's do that multiple times and, um, and, and let's see what we can make happen. And so from that time till now, like I said, I've invested, I went from uh, being homeless and having housing insecurity and being on food stamps and all, all things in between um, to raising several million dollars from multiple, multiple people, kind of angel checks at a time and mm-hmm. putting that same dollar amount back into other founders. It's interesting. And how did you go about really identifying, like the mission is, you know, really clear and admirable and a lot of like power to it, but how did you identify people that this mission would resonate with to write those first checks in particular? Yeah. Well, it took years. It took absolute years because people were, I was approaching mostly white men because those are the people that I could find who had the checkbooks at the time. And they thought of it as just that. They thought of it as an admirable mission Mm -hmm. and not something that was going to change their bank account in any significant way. So they said, you know, we've already, if you were a nonprofit, I'd I'd talk to you in in a heartbeat, but you're not. And I said, no, we're not very much so on purpose. So then it started becoming, I started saying, well, let me, let me see if I can get them inside my head with this, because I think the way that I'm approaching it is and in, in saying and messaging it is really what they're used to hearing, which is, okay, if you're black and brown, you must be down and out, you know, and it's, some of it is their fault, some of it's not, some of it is just what they've been programmed through television shows and film and, and whatever to see, so, or to believe, so I started trying to get on on their wavelength and say look aren't you competitive Mm -hmm. (laughs) the venture capitalists i've met along the way here are are really competitive millionaires and billionaires didn't get there by accident unless they were really born into it most of them are competitive most of them are very um curious i mean i'm going to say intelligent for most some are not but like (laughs) everyone i know is curious like they have Mm -hmm. a curious mind and so i started appealing to those pieces of them that was more about why aren't you looking at it? What are you afraid of? What what could what do you have to lose in in in, in search seeking out this information? Just like Bitcoin comes around or some trend comes around, don't you research it so that at the very least you can argue either side? You know, mm-hmm. that sort of conversation really started resonating with these uh, individuals a lot, lot more than isn't it fair that yeah. XYZ. Yeah. And and because it was genuinely what I was feeling and thinking, it was very easy to say because I was saying I don't if I did want to do it just out of the goodness of my heart, I would start a nonprofit. I have a lot of friends who have nonprofits. I respect that entire uh bucket, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm saying there's there are people who are being overlooked who could be valuable to you. You yeah. get in now, you get them when they're, you know, they're scouting basically. And we do that in sports. We do that elsewhere. Why not here? Did you ever pitch it as like kind of a, I don't want to say arbitrage opportunity, but kind of a uh, really opportunity to get good deals at, at yeah. attractive prices? <laughs> yeah, I did early on. I, uh-huh. I called it, call it a discounted asset. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, you have to be careful who's saying that. There were some people saying that at the time who were white men, and they you run the risk of them sounding like slave owners. You know, sure. it's, a, it's an odd way to say it. But if I'm saying it, and I'm saying it, I'm trying to say it in the best way possible. But it is true. It's, it's not ideal. It's not something that I'm excited about, that because I'm a black woman, people discount me. That's not great. But hey, when I'm talking to white men, I'm talking to women, I'm talking to people of color who are all investors, saying this is the truth. This is what's happening in the reality of the world. So let us, let us do a few things at once. Let us look at this as, yes, it's discounted. So that adds, a little, that adds another layer. Mm -hmm. And then let's also just look at it as the value, that proposition that it is, even if it weren't discounted. But it is, <laughs> you know? And so those, those things are... It, it's always been a fine line between what hurts my feelings to, to be able to, to, for the reality to be and what the reality is and mm -hmm. just kind of um, going through and, and filtering out that because if we, if we, if I look at it really closely, I mean, most things in life, especially in like the United States for black women are unfair. <laughs> uh, they just are, are tilted in an unfair manner. And, and if anybody was ever uh, questioning that, just think about how, as a, as a white man, you might feel, if you're listening to this, and you try to apply for PPP or IDOL anytime recently, and you can't get somebody on the phone, mm. and you can't get your questions answered, and this didn't, this, you didn't do anything wrong, this happened to you, and now you're having trouble paying for your rent. This is what Black people have been dealing with for all of our lives. <laughs> For the most part, so this yeah. is what I kind of face uh, trying to get this across to people for the past eight nine years. Is there any? Um, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Is there any? Talk about your portfolio of 100 companies. That's that's amazing. That's that many already. Any commonality or uh, to them they all have a uh, African American uh, female in the team. No, or? no, no. The, no. the 130 companies you. you you have to have on your founder team who has a significant amount of equity, mm -hmm. a person of color. So okay. that's a lot of people. Okay. A woman. So that's the majority of the country mm -hmm. or an LGBTQ person, which is around 10% of the country. Okay. Gotcha. So it can be that and any combination of there. We are agnostic by industry, by design, agnostic lo by location or, mm -hmm. or location agnostic by design. And so you have a very wide net. You have, you have uh, beauty companies and lifestyle brands and media companies sitting next to deep tech and SaaS and fintech and et cetera, et cetera. And this was all by design because I did not want to, at this point for the first few years, go on a very deep vertical. What's exciting now, though, is that partners across many verticals are now contacting us and we've been talking with them and, and there will be things that happen in the next 18 months where we are now able to say we have such a far reach because we decided to do it this way to seed an entire ecosystem if we could that now we can we can double down by vertical on what we feel we're best suited to do with a certain partner here and then a certain partner over there and so um, among us I mean there have been many people at backstage and I have partners and I have venture partners um, but among us, we each have our own kind of specialties mm -hmm. and interests and things like that, just like any other venture fund. The show is about raising funds. So kind of riffing on that, will you create like the backstage healthcare fund and the backstage 
whatever deep tech fund. I mean, mm -hmm. are you thinking of it like that? Yeah, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah, mm -hmm. that that we have a, a major um, health company, for instance, who wants to do a verticalized fund with us. That would be the this X backstage fund, you know. Um, and would be for healthcare companies that are run by underrepresented founders who we scout and, and find, and then we co-manage the fund. And we have had the same kind of conversations with major fintech companies and major beauty brands and major uh, hardware companies, things like that. So if you look at it as if our interests align for the next 10 years or so, there's, a, there's an unlimited amount of potential in that I would love to do that. It really just comes down to backstage being very, um, you know, leanly resourced yeah. and, and finding these, these uh, ways to, to connect with, with these companies, but they're now coming to us because everything that we kind of waved our hands and said years ago mm -hmm. is, is coming true. And so they're, they're finding themselves a little flat footed and coming to us to, to make up some time. Let's talk about that for a minute. Companies that are coming to you or want to come to you, what are you, what are you looking for? Best ways to approach you? And are you usually the first money in or lead investor? Or what's the yeah. structure? Mm -hmm. Well, what I was talking about before are these corporations, major corporations coming to us wanting to do uh, partnerships with us. Now, if you are a company who is looking for investment from us, mm -hmm. uh, that's a separate thing. You can go to backstagecapital.com. We usually have an application process open, usually half of the year. It's not, there's not a very specific time, but we are very open that you, you need not have a warm introduction to talk to us. We're uh, very transparent online and usually in fact have an application process as if we were an accelerator year round. So you would go to the website, you would look at our team, you would follow us on social, you would apply when applicable uh, if we have that open. And then you would just kind of get to know us as some, many have done over the past four or five years, 130 companies, in fact, have done that. We also have office hours. So when we, are, when we don't have the dry powder to make new investments, we have office hours to, to uh, resource people in a different way. Okay. And the accelerator, is that still an ongoing, um, is that like a, your sort of three-month program or we'll talk about that a bit. Yeah, the accelerator, we started in the spring of 2019. We got 1,900 applications. Mm. We invested in 24 of those companies. So very, very uh, competitive, 100,000 apiece for approximately 5% of the company. Uh, very similar to the, the, the top tier funds or top tier accelerators that you're used to hearing about. We piloted that in four cities, uh, Los Angeles, Detroit, Philadelphia, London, and we, it, was, it was really great. And was, in fact, some of those companies from that cohort are actually doing really well in the age of Corona because they're so specific uh, mm -hmm. to the needs right now. Uh, it's, it's kind of remarkable. Um, and then this year, we found that we would not have the funding to do a second cohort right away. So instead, we decided to do a 12-city tour, which we worked on for several months. It was going to happen May and June. And of course, uh, that was uh, canceled because of coronavirus. So what we're doing now is just all sorts of online uh, information and resources and, and, and talking to different partners about getting more dry powder. And then 2021, we'll go back out and, and, and go back out and full-fledged, I'm sure. But for now, I mean, 2020 is looking really interesting. I mean, it's, it's not what we imagine. I don't think any of us are in that position. <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. It's, it's, I'm definitely an entrepreneur myself. And so the creativity is just flowing and 
if you go to, uh, if you listen to my podcast, Your First Million, there's a lot of content there that we've worked on for the coronavirus for, for resources there. Again, backstagecapital.com. And, and then my book, again, It's About Damn Time, which comes out May 5th. Yeah. All right. One more question. I'll let you go. No, I know time is short. Uh, it's a two-part question, so I'm cheating a little sure. bit. But what advice are you giving folks in your, your portfolio companies in this Corona market? Should they be fundraising now or not? And then second part, totally separate question, but what advice would you give your younger self about fundraising if you could go back in time, whatever, five years? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Fundraising right now, I think, yes, if you, have, if you need to fundraise, if, you, if that was part of your plan before, you need to fundraise normally and you have some uh, you have some relationships with 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 funders mm -hmm. I think it's very very difficult to start from scratch right now because so many funders including those that you think are very wealthy are all they're doing is focusing their energy on their current portfolio and following on and making sure that they're bridged to a better time so it's it would be it would be not only inappropriate but it would be short-sighted of you to think I can start a brand new conversation right now with with a funder and, mm. and have a million dollars in my bank account in a month. It's just not going to happen. There are hundreds of funds who are still investing, and you can start the process of getting mm. to know them over several months. But nothing in the next, if you're looking for something in the next 60 days, it needs to be a, a relationship you already have. Um, when it comes to advice for myself, my younger self, I would say that um, I think I did a good job of this along the way, but I know I put myself in a lot of positions where in uh, circumstances happen where I needed to um, sell sell equity at a, at a discount. You know, mm -hmm. we're talking about being discounted. And at the time, it kept the lights on. And I think that all of the decisions I've made in the last five years have kept the lights on. And I wouldn't, I don't think I would change them. But what I would do is make sure I knew every step of the way what my value was. There's no way to predict but I definitely have discounted myself in the past and I would really try to project five, 10, 20 years into the future before making decisions that dilute my interest. Oh, interesting. All right. Very good. All right. So if people want to learn more, it's just simply backstagecapital.com and the book yes. is about, it's about damn, damn time and the podcast hey, yes. is your first, your first million. million. And it's about damn time.com is where you can pick up the book. Oh, funny. That's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's great okay Arlen this is good well stay safe this weekend as we're in week number whatever it is of lockdown yes. and uh, uh, we'll catch you after the next uh, fundraise or something like that thank you absolutely I appreciate you okay bye bye